0: وَلَا إِلَّهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ وَلَا حَوْلًا وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ الْعَلِيِّ الْعَذِيمِ Glory be to Allah, all praise to Allah, there is no God but Allah, Alhamdulillah Was Salatu was Salam Al Rasulil Laval Ali was <laughs> Ajmain Amma Bad Auzubilahim in a Shaitan regime, Bismillah Rahman Rahim Wata Zimu be Hubli Lai Jami or Walata Farku Rabbish Ali Sadri Wa Sully Amri Wahal Ugda Tamil Sani Yafka Hukali My respect elders and my dear brothers and sisters, I welcome all of you with the Islamic greetings, Assalamu Alaikum, Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh. May peace, mercy, and blessings of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, of Almighty God, be on all of you. Can we increase the effect a little bit, and the base make it a bit low, and the highs increase a little bit more, and the base effect a little bit more. <coughs> the topic. Of This evening's talk is Unity In the Muslim Ummah Little less The topic is Unity in the Muslim Ummah This is An important A unique And a very sensitive talk Important because None of the Muslims will disagree That There is no unity in the Muslim Ummah. So, it's a very important topic. It is a unique topic because, as most of you may be aware, that most of my talks are targeted towards dawah, targeted towards the non Muslims as well as the Muslims together. And I usually give two types of talks. One type which is related to comparative religion, for example, similarities between Hinduism and Islam, similarities between Islam and Christianity, Muhammad sallallahu wa in Hindu scriptures, Muhammad sallallahu wa in the world, various world scriptures, is Jesus God, was Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, crucified, and various talks. These talks, though they are targeted or meant for the non muslims giving them knowledge about islam and the comparative religion it even benefits the muslims to a great extent to do dawa amongst the non muslim friends so it's for both though the topic is on comparative religion it's meant for both for the non muslim giving knowledge about islam and for the muslims giving knowledge about comparative religion how to do dawa the other group of talks that i give is mainly on issues which are current, which the media attacks Islam. For example, women's rights in Islam. Or people think today's age of science and technology, Islam is outdated. So Quran and modern science. These talks of second groups, it caters to both the Muslims get knowledge about the rights of the women in Islam, about how scientific the Islamic religion at the same time the Muslims are also educated about their religion about the good points about the hak of the religion. There are very few talks which I have given, hardly any, which especially cater only to the Muslims. For example, Al Quran should it be read with understanding. Because some of the Muslims say that Quran should not be read understanding, so I gave that talk. Or dawah or destruction these talks are exclusively for the Muslims even though the non-Muslim will benefit but it is more targeted towards the Muslims so today's talk I say is unique because it is more it's mainly meant for the Muslims the non-Muslim also benefit but mainly meant for the Muslims unity in the Muslim ummah and I say my talk is going to be sensitive unlike my other talks Meant for the Muslims, only a small group of Muslims believe that Quran should not be read with understanding. The majority believes it should be read with understanding. Some group of Muslims say Dawah should not be done. Majority believe it should be done. But this topic, unity in the Muslim Ummah, is sensitive. It involves each and every one of us, each and every type of Muslim. Therefore, I say it's sensitive, and I request all of you. That. Please pay careful attention To the matter of my talk Inshallah It will be enlightening At the same time It will Show you the true picture Of Islam Inshallah Therefore please pay careful attention To my talk This talk Of mine Unity in the Muslim Ummah I may not be able to cover all the aspects, all the solution. I'll try and cover the major ones. Number one reason for disunity in the Muslim Ummah is because of the various sects that we have. As well as the various schools of thoughts among the Muslim Ummah. You may call it Madhab. You may call it Maslaq. You may call it Musallah. So the main reason, number one, the major reason is because of the various sects that are there in the Muslim Ummah and the various schools of thoughts, the madabs, or the maslaks, or the musallah as we call it. Inshallah, at least I'll try and cover this major point and if time permits, some other points also. And quite a large portion of my talk will be in the form of question and answer which is usually asked in our day-to-day life so that whatever questions I pose each individual can ask that same question to himself and give the reply to himself so that you may come to know where does each individual stand and as most of you know the master key for da'wah or for Islam according to me in the Quran the verse of the Quran, Surah Al Imran, Chapter number three, verse number sixty-four, which says, "All Yahhulal Kitab." Say, "Oh people of the book, dialogue ila a common thing. Savar in bayna no bainakum. Come to common terms, as us and you." Which is the first term? Allah, na mudah illallah. That we worship none but Allah. Walla nu shrikabihi shayyau. That we associate no partners with Him. Walla yattaqiza baad dunabaad min dunilla. That we erect not among ourselves. Lords and patrons other than Allah. But if they turn back, بَي that we are Muslims bowing our will to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have mentioned in several of my talks that this verse of the Quran, which says, come to common terms as in us and you, though it mentions Hale Kitab, specifically referring to the Jews and Christian, it can refer to any type of non-Muslim, whether it be Hindu. Or a Buddhist or a Jain, come to comment terms as in us and you. And if we take it a step further, according to me, it can even apply to the Muslim Ummah. That when we have differences in the Muslim Ummah, the best thing to do is, kalmitin, sawa come to comment terms as us and you. So, this part of the verse, according to me, can also be used for the Muslim Ummah, and it is the best way for doing Islam for correcting the muslim for getting them to the straight path normally when you ask any muslim which is the most authentic and best book of islam which is the best source of knowledge in islam can anyone guess quran MashaAllah. you don't get any award for that simple question simple answer no one will disagree he may not be a practicing Muslim but if you ask any Muslim which is the best book in Islam the most authentic book the best source for knowledge in Islam the answer is Quran mashallah but nothing great the second question which is the next source of knowledge after the Quran Hadith mashallah no two difference hadith of the Prophet Muhammad you may say sunnah, you may say hadith there is no two difference everyone agrees whichever type of Muslim he may be, he agrees the first main source is Quran, the next is hadith now most of us are aware that there are different types of hadith some hadith which are sai hadith which are strong, authentic some hadith are zaif hadith which are weak hadith some of them are mawdu, concocted, fabricated hadith. Which hadith the Muslim should follow? Sahih hadith. MashaAllah. Allah. Three questions, the answer remains the same. It will not differ. Any type of Muslim you ask, whichever group he may belong to, whichever sect he may belong to, the answer is the same. Number one source is Quran, Allah's kalam, Allah's word. Number two source is the saying of the Prophet, the hadith. The narration of the Prophet. Number three, that in the hadith, what we have to follow is the Sai Hadith. No two view at all. kalmitin sawa Come to come in terms as in as you. Now based on these three answers, we proceed further. But when I ask a Muslim that what is he What school of thought he belongs to, or what is his mother? Most of the Indians they tell me they are Hanafi. Some may say they are Shafi. If I go outside India and when I ask this question, besides Hanafi and Shafi, I may get the reply I'm a Humbly, or some may say I'm a Maliki. But in India majority of the Muslims they call themselves Hanafi some even call themselves Shafi there are others but these two are the major groups I ask the next question brother why are you a Hanafi why are you not a Shafi so the common reply I get is because my parents were Hanafi my father was Hanafi my mother was Hanafi So I am Hanafi so then I ask him a question what if your father was a Shafi so he tells me brother Zakir if my father was a Shafi even I would have been a Shafi and say simple I said very good till here it is simple what if your parents were non-Muslims what would you be then there is a long pause see you told me if your parents because your parents Hanafi you are Hanafi if your parent for Shafi would have been a Shafi very logical what if your parent were non-muslims then there's a long pause I said brother why didn't reply he replies in a very soft tone. maybe I would have been a non-muslim softly he says maybe I would have been a non-muslim I said fine now if your age is 30 or 40 years and now if you give me the reply that you are a non-muslim whether a Hindu or a Christian or a Jew or a Jain you give him the reply I'm a non-Muslim because my father is a non-Muslim or my mother is a non-Muslim will you be excused there's a long pause he doesn't reply I said if you say yes then all the non-Muslims today even they will be excused because most of the parents have been non-Muslims so there's a long pause Then he gives me the reply after thinking If Allah gives me hidayah I will become a Muslim I said fine If Allah gives you the hidayah you will become Muslim But Allah says in the Quran In Surah An-Kabut Chapter number 29 Verse number 69 That if you strive In the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Do jihad fi sablillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will open his pathways for you the criteria is you should strive. If you strive, Allah will give you hidaya. It's a promise of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. If you strive in the way of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, Allah will open up His pathways for you. So the criteria is that if you strive, Allah will open up the pathways. Like yesterday we saw and in the fuel past. Few so the criteria is that if you strive, Allah will open up the pathways. Like yesterday we saw and in the few past few days we saw many non-muslims coming and telling that you know I've been born in a non-muslim family what's my fault and I told him and many of you were there yesterday and I proved to him that fine if you accept Islam now all your past sins will be forgiven so yet you have a chance and many non-muslims have accepted Islam so the criteria is that you should strive. so when you tell the non-muslims that they should strive in order to find the haqq if a non-muslim comes and tells you that why are you a muslim and you give the reply because my father's a muslim so he will tell you have you strived, have you tried and found the truth so it becomes a duty even to study about Islam read the Quran and the Hadith compulsory if it is the non-muslims we shouldn't include that to the Muslims even you should strive for the haq. Then I say, Alhamdulillah, your parents, MashaAllah, they Hanafi and Shafi belonging to Muslims, and my parents are Muslim, Alhamdulillah, therefore we are Muslims. Allah's grace, Alhamdulillah. Then I ask him the next question. That brother, you said you are a Hanafi. Which is better? Hanafi is better, a Shafi is better. That's my next question. Which is but Hanafi or Shafi. Most of these group of Muslims, they will give the reply, Ka charo hai. all the four schools of thought are on the truth That is a common reply. That all the four schools of thought, Hanafi, Maliki Shafi, humbly all of these four schools of thought they are barhaq. They are correct. Some will say Hanafi is right, some will say Shafi is right, but the majority will say Charo hai. all the four schools of thought are correct. Then I ask another simple question. Now these questions are known to everyone. It's not sort of a difficult question. Then I ask the next question. Brother, in your Musalla, in your Masala, in your madhab, in the Hanafi Musalla, if a man is in voodoo, and if accidentally he touches a woman or a woman touches him, does he go outside the state of voodoo or is he yet in the state of voodoo? In Urdu we say Tutti again, does the voodoo break or not? In English, we will say, is he yet in the state of voodoo outside the state of voodoo? So the Hanafi will reply that in the Hanafi Madhab, the voodoo does not break. I said, fine. Let's go to the next question. In the Shafi, madam, in the Shafi musallah, if a man accidentally touches a woman or a woman accidentally touches a man who is in a state of wudu is he yet in the state of wudu or outside the state of voodoo? Does his voodoo break or not? The reply will be, mashallah. All of you know it. Simple question, simple answer. The Wudu breaks. It's nothing difficult. All these questions so far are simple. In the Shafi Musalla, the Shafi Madhab, the Wudu breaks. My next question, again very simple. I ask the question, Dear brother, can both be simultaneously correct that one Muslim's Wudu breaks when it accidentally touches A woman and the other Muslim's wazoo doesn't break when he accidentally touches a wudu. When he touches a woman accidentally, can both be simultaneously correct? I'm not asking who's correct. For who is correct, you may have to have knowledge of Quran and Hadith. My question is simple can both be simultaneously correct? No. Simple question, simple answer. No reward for that. If I pose you the question, One teacher teaches, 2 plus 2 is not equal to 5. And the other teacher teaches, 2 plus 2 is equal to 5. Can both the teachers simultaneously be correct? Yes. The person who doesn't know maths may say yes. I agree with the brother. The person who doesn't know maths may say yes. All those who know basics of maths, who have passed even standard 4, will say no. Because everyone knows 2 plus 2 is equal to 4. So the first question is if one teacher said 2 plus 2 is not equal to 5, other teacher said 2 plus 2 is equal to 5, can both be correct simultaneously? The answer is no. Simple. I believe most of you may have passed 104. But if I ask you a slightly difficult question, 375 multiply by 625 is equal to 1,525, one teacher says that, the other teacher says 375, multiply by 625 is not equal to 1,525, can both be correct simultaneously, no, you don't have to be a mathematician, which is correct if I ask you, who is correct, then you may have to take a calculator and calculate. Even if you don't know maths, but if you're logical, one faith is equal to 1,525, the other faith is not equal to 1,525. Even if you don't have a calculator, you don't know maths, both simultaneously cannot be correct. To know which teacher is correct, who is correct, you may have to take a calculator and press the button, and then you may give the answer. Either the first or the second is correct. Fine? Everyone is with me? MashaAllah. So, similarly, to say who is correct or which mother is correct, the Hanafi or the Shafi, can both be simultaneously correct? The answer is no. But which mother is more correct? What is the reply? The same reply. You have to check up in the authentic sources. Number one is Quran, number two is Hadith. Correct. So now, this answer, who is correct? Hanafi or Shafi? Here, everyone will not know. Unless he has strived in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has strived to find out the truth. Now, when we read the Quran, it's mentioned in the Quran, in Surah Maida, chapter number 5, verse number 6. Ya ayyuhal amanu. O you who believe, when you prepare yourself for salah. Wash your face And your hands And arms up to the elbow Rub your head with water Wash your feet up to the ankle That means doing wudu is compulsory before salah And if you are in ceremonial impurity You have to bathe You have to have a bath And the verse continues Or if you are ill If you are ill Or on a journey Or when you come back From the call of nature, offices of nature. Or, if you are in contact with women, or if you touch a woman, and if you do not find water, take clean sand or earth and rub it on your face and your hands. Talking about Tayyamum, if there is no water, do Tayyamum. So, based on this verse of the Quran, which says that if the woman touches, if you touch a woman, the Arabic word is lamas coming from the word masa. So based on this that if the woman touches or if you touch a woman you have to do wudu. Of no water is there, you have to tayamu. Now or you have to bath. Bath or wudu or tayamu. Three options. If there's no water tayamu. Now as far as the Arabic word "masah" is concerned, it has got two meanings. If you look in the dictionary, what is the meaning of "masah? It has two meanings: one is a physical touch, the other is a sexual touch. So these two great ayamas, they were great scholars. Imam Abu Hanifa. rahimullah May Allah's mercy be on him. He took the meaning that if you sexually touch a woman, then the voodoo having a bath becomes compulsory. The masaya mentioned is sexual touch. Therefore, physically, if you touch a woman, the voodoo does not break. Imam Shafi, may Allah mercy be on him. Rahimahullah. He took the meaning, physical touch. Masah has got two meanings. Anyone can be right? he took the meaning physical touch so according to the Hanafi school of thought sexual touch breaks the wudu physical touch does not break a wudu according to Shafi school of thought even physical touch of a woman breaks the wudu you become outside the state of wudu now masa has two meaning each scholar took one meaning but the best commentary of the Quran is the Quran itself and if you don't find in the Quran then go to the next source that is the hadith but when we look up at the other verses of the Quran (coughs) if you read Imran, chapter number 3 verse number 47 this word of Masa is even present there it speaks about the story of Maryam salam. that when the archangel Gabriel he comes and gives us the message that you shall have a son so the reply of Hazrat Maryam Mellah be pleased with her she says in Surah al-Imran chapter number 3 verse number 47 that how shall I, how shall I have a son when no man has touched me the same word <coughs> the same root word masa is there now any one of us will understand when Hazrat Maryam Maryam Mellah be pleased with her when she says that how shall I have a son when no man has touched me it means sexual touch does not mean Physical touch, because physically, if someone touches a woman, she need not have a child. But sexually, if someone touches, chances are she will have a child. So she says, "How shall I have a son when no man has touched me?" And the reply comes, "When Allah decrees the matter." Allah says, "Kun fayakun, be and it is." That's the full context. But the word masaya means sexual touch. Further. When we read the hadith of Prophet Muhammad <coughs> If there's a doubt If you can't understand certain verses of the Quran You have to go to the next source, that is the hadith And see to it that the hadith is authentic Is Sahih The a hadith a sahih hadith Of Abu Dawood, volume number 1 In the book of Salah Chapter number 17 Hadith number 179 Hadith Aisha may Allah be pleased with her She said Once the Prophet kissed One of his wives And he went for prayers He did not perform ablution (coughs) So Urwa may Allah be pleased with her She asked Who can it be other than you She told Hadith Aisha may Allah be pleased with her And Hadith Aisha laughed Indicating that yes it was her so, the Sahih Hadith of Abu Dawud, volume number one, in the book of Salah, chapter number 70, Hadith number 179, classified as Sahih by the Muhaddisin, including Sheikh Nasruddin Albani. It says when Hazrat sallallahu sallam was in the state of wudu, he kissed his wife, the Daisha, and went for Salah without doing wudu again. This indicates that physical touch does not break the wudu. There are several such Sahih Hadith. Even if you read Sayyid Bukhari, if you read the hadith of Sayyid Bukhari, <coughs> Volume number one, it's mentioned that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, she narrates that I was between Muhammad and the Qibla when the Prophet was praying. And before he did the sujood, he pushed my leg. And I moved my leg aside, indicating that in the Salah, the Prophet touched the leg of Hadith Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, and yet continued the Salah, indicating that physical touch does not break the wudu. And there are several side Hadith, other Hadith, which prove to us that physical touch does not break the wudu. This Hadith is of Sai Bukhari. Volume number one, hadith number 519. 519. Now I'm asking the question: who is right? The opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa or the opinion of Imam Shafi? Imam Abu Hanifa. Because his opinion is matching with the Quran as well as the authentic hadith. So somebody will ask me. Do you mean to say that Imam Shafi was wrong? Let's see, we respect Imam Shafi. May Allah's mercy be on him. We respect him, we revere him, and we love him. And the Prophet said that anyone who gives opinion after doing research, any scholar, gives the opinion, if the opinion is correct, he gets one reward. Sorry. If the opinion is correct, he gets two reward. If the opinion is wrong, he gets one reward. Any scholar gives a fatwa, gives a opinion. If it is correct, he gets two reward. But even if it is wrong, he gets one reward. I am not saying that Imam Shafi. May Allah mercy be on him. That he was not intelligent. He was very intelligent. He was very knowledgeable, but. We have to realize that during the time of Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Shafi, mercy be beyond them all. All the hadiths one compiled. The compilation of the hadith started before but completed later on. So maybe this hadith of Abu Daud, volume number one, chapter number 70, hadith number 179, as well as the hadith of Sahih Bukhari, volume number one, hadith number 519, it did not reach Imam Shafi. So, because it did not reach him, he took one of the two options physical touch or sexual touch. He took it as physical touch. Not that he was not intelligent, maybe this hadith didn't reach him. So, based on his knowledge of the Quran, which can have one of the two meanings, he took one meaning. Not that he made a mistake purposefully. What we say, maybe this hadith didn't reach him. Let me give you another example. I asked the question that in the Salah, in the loud Salah, the Salah of Fajr of Maghrib and Isha, after the Imam completes Surah Fatiha, according to the Hanafi maslak, should the people in the congregation should they say Salah, should they say amin loudly or no? According to Abu Hanifa, according to the Hanafi maslak, you should not say amin loudly after the Imam completes the Surah Fatiha in the loud Salah. But according to Imam Shafi, May Allah's mercy be on him. Should the people, the Mutadi, the congregation, should they say Ameen loudly or no? The answer is yes. Simple, everyone knows about it. Everyone knows about it. In the Hanafi madhab, you don't have to say I mean, loudly. In the Shafi madhab, you have to say loudly. In the Fajr, Maghrib and the Isha Salah. Who is right? If you don't know, you have to go to Quran and the Hadith. We don't find any verse in the Quran which says that should we say I mean loudly or not. So we get to the next source. We go to the next source that is the Sahih Hadith. Now when we read the Sahih Hadith, it's mentioned in Sahih Bukhari, volume number one, in the book of Adan, chapter number one hundred and eleven, Hadith number seven and eighty. Prophet peace be upon him, he said. That say Amin loudly after Surah Fatiha finish. Say Amin loudly, and if your Amin coincides with the Amin of the angels, then all your past sins will be forgiven. The next hadith, Sayyid Bukhari, volume number one, in the book of Adan chapter number one hundred and twelve, hadith number seven eighty one. The Prophet said, "If the Amin of any one of you coincides with the Amin of any one of the angels." Then all your past sins will be forgiven. Sahih Bukhari, volume number one, Book of Adan, chapter number 113, hadith number seven hundred and eighty-two, the Prophet said that after the Imam says, Magdubi alaihim say Amin loudly. And if your Amin coincides with the Amin of the angels, all your past sins will be forgiven. I have quoted no less than 3 hadith from Sahih Bukhari that you should say "Amin" loudly after surah Fatiha. Similarly there are no less than 6 hadith in Sahih Muslim. If you read Sahih Muslim volume number 1 in the book of Salah chapter number 116 hadith number 811 to 816 there are no less than 6 hadith in Sahih Muslim which says you should say "Amin" loudly. So I have given you references of at least nine Sahih Hadith, which says that you should say Ameen loudly. Now I ask you the question: Who is correct, the Hanafi maslak or the Shafi maslak? The Shafi maslak. Simple. What matches with the Quran and Sahih Hadith? You follow that. Simple. Now come to the question. The first question. That does the wudu break or not when a person accidentally, if a man accidentally touches a woman or a woman touches the man? Imagine if a non-Muslim who accepts Islam and he asks me, brother Zakir, if a woman touches me accidentally or if I touch a woman accidentally when I'm in wudu, am I yet in the state of wudu or not? Does my wudu break or not? So will I ask him? That is your father Hanif, you a Shafi. his father was a non-Muslim, so my answer should be based on Quran and Sahih Hadith. And when we analyze the Quran and Sahih Hadith, we come to know that the Wudu does not break. So, irrespective whether you come from any background, unless someone comes and tells me, see brother Zakir, you know that the Hanafis have got some oil in their skin and the shafi don't have oil. Therefore, the Hanafi, the Wudu doesn't break and the shafi breaks. If someone gives me some scientific reason, then maybe I will have to think over it. But there is no such thing. That the skin of the Hanifi is different and the skin of the Shafi is different. You have to go back to Allah and His Rasul. And when we do research in the Quran and Sahih, Hadith, we get the answer. Again, somebody may ask me in the second question that saying Ameen loudly, Imam Shafi is correct, and the must like not to say Ameen loudly. Do you mean to say Abu Hanifa was wrong? Didn't he have knowledge? No, it Imam Abu Hanifa, May Allah's mercy be on him. Raimahullah. He was a great scholar. We love him. We respect him. But, not that he made a mistake purposefully. Maybe these hadith, which I quoted of Sahih Bukhari, poem number one, hadith number 781 to 782, and the hadith of say muslim volume number one hadith number 811 to 816 this may not have reached him as I told you earlier that when the prophet was alive the quran was complete it was compiled in the supervision of the prophet himself he himself supervised the quran alhamdulillah was complete and there is no difference of opinion as far as the quran is concerned but the Prophet did not encourage to write down the Hadiths, his sayings, lest it would get mixed up. Later on, after his death, when people started saying things in the name of the Prophet which he did not say, then the people thought, fine, now we should check up whether did the Prophet say this or not. So the compilation of the Hadith started after the death of the Prophet, and during the time of these great Imams, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik. Imam Shafi Imam 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 humble Allah's mercy be on all of them it was yet continuing it wasn't completed later on Imam Bukhari came then Imam Muslim came Abu Tirmidhi, and then later on after the demise of the four great Imams, the process was more formulated so therefore based on whatever was the knowledge they had they gave the opinion Somebody will ask me. Brother Zakir, do you think you're more intelligent than Abu Hanifa? Brother Zakir, do you think you're more intelligent than Imam Shafi? May Allah mercy be on both of them. I said no. Nothing. Compared to them, we are nothing. They were far closer to the Prophet. The knowledge? MashaAllah. The iman? We cannot compare. No one living now can compare to them. But... We have to realize, as I mentioned, that the process of compilation of the hadith was going on. So all the four imams said, "No Muslim can say that he has, he knows all the say hadith." So because today is the age of science and technology. Now, if today at that time during the imams, if you want to col- if you want to collect a hadith, you had to travel hundreds of kilometers, thousands of kilometers. You had to write down. There was no Xerox machine. Today. Xerox is there, fax is there, email is there, from this end of the world to America you can fax, you can send my email, within seconds it reaches there, that time science and technology had not advanced, today, if you want all the sai hadith, you can have on a disc, the complete Bukhari you can have on a disc, Bukhari, Muslim, in IRF, 1 million hadith on one disc, classified sai, zaif, maudu, so today because of science and technology advance, the the excess for us, to the hadith is much more easier as compared to these great scholars. For example, today, if a student who passes BSc, Bachelor of Science, in terms of scientific knowledge, he may have more knowledge than Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton happens to be the best scientist of humanity, you know. Isaac Newton, number one. Michael H. Hart, when he wrote a book, The 100 Most Influential Men in History, he places our beloved Prophet Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, number one. Number two, Isaac Newton. But if someone comes and asks me, suppose your son has passed his BSc, or if you have passed your BSc, if someone tells, Are you more intelligent than Isaac Newton? See, You may know many things which Isaac Newton did not know. But in terms of science and technology, what brain Isaac Newton had, even the Nobel Prize winner of science doesn't have. Isaac Newton had an intelligent brain, depending upon the limited resources he had, the amount of advances he made in science is phenomenal. Therefore, he's called one of the best scientists of humankind. But today a person who has passed B.Sc. overall may have more knowledge than Isaac Newton he knows all the laws of Newton he even has corrected the mistake of Newton not he has not corrected by the time other scientists have come they have corrected the mistakes of Newton so a person who has passed DSC overall may have more access to scientific knowledge than Isaac Newton but that does not make him a greater scientist than Isaac Newton similarly today when we can analyze the hadith easily because of these great scholars Imam Bukhari imam muslim and the other scholars right down till this age it is easier for us to know whether the hadith is sa'i or not and easy because of science and technology that does not mean we are more superior to these imams. we are more intelligent no not at all I cannot claim that and no one should claim that not that we are more intelligent we are more knowledgeable today because of science and technology the knowledge is much more easily accessible so let me clear that point very clearly. Therefore, I said the topic is sensitive. We respect all these four imams; They were great scholars. And the solution for the unity of the Muslim Ummah lies in the ayat I started my talk with. Allah says in Surah Al-Imran, chapter number 3, verse number 103. Wa Hold to the rope of Allah strongly and be not divided. Which is the rope of Allah? The rope of Allah is the glorious Quran. Allah says, Hold strongly to the rope of Allah and be not divided. Hold together strongly to the rope of Allah and be not divided. Be together and be not divided. Double emphasis. Double emphasis. And the Quran says in several places, Atullah, wa rasul, obey Allah and obey the Messenger. Allah gives this commandments to the Muslims. In several places, in no less than twenty, in more than twenty verses of the Quran, the Allah says, Atullah, Rasul in Sula Imran. Chapter number three was number thirty two. In Surah Imran, chapter number three was number hundred and thirty two. In Surah Nisa, chapter number four was number thirteen. In Surah Nisa, chapter number four was number fifty nine. In Surah Nisa, chapter number four was number sixty nine. In Surah Nisa, chapter number four was number eighty. In Surah Maida, chapter number five was number ninety two. In Surah Anfal, chapter number eight was number one. In Surah Anfal, chapter number eight was number twenty. In Surah Anfal, chapter number eight was number forty six. In Surah Toba, chapter number nine was number seventy one. In Surah Nur, chapter number twenty four, was number forty seven. In Surah Nur, chapter Number 24, verse number 52, in Surah Nur, chapter number 24, verse number 54, in Surah Azab, chapter number 33, verse number 31. In Surah In Azab, chapter 33, verse number 33, in Surah Muhammad, chapter number forty seven, verse number thirty-three, in Surah Fatah, chapter number forty-eight, verse number seventeen, in Surah Hujra, chapter number forty-nine, verse number fourteen, in Surah Mujadila, chapter number fifty-eight, verse number thirteen, in Surah Tagabun, chapter number sixty four, verse number twelve. In more than 20 verses of the Quran, Allah says, Atiullah Watiur Rasul. Obey Allah and obey the Messenger. The rope of Allah is the glorious Quran and the authentic hadith of Prophet Muhammad. Allah tells us clearly, hold together fast to the rope of Allah and be not divided. To the Quran and the Sayyid hadith. Allah says in the Quran, in Surah An'am, chapter number six, verse number one hundred and fifty-nine. Allah says that as to those who divide the religion and break it into sects, thou has nothing to do with them. Telling the Prophet, thou has nothing to do with them. Their affairs is with Allah. All their affairs is with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and Allah will tell them what is the truth. Allah tells the Prophet. As to those who divide the religion and break it into sects, into O Prophet, thou hast nothing to do with them. All their affairs is with Allah. And Allah will tell them what is the truth. That means making sex in the religion of Islam is haram. It is prohibited. And this has been mentioned in several places in the Quran. Allah repeats this message in Surah Room, chapter number 30, verse number 31 and 32. It says that be not like those who associate partners with Allah and like those who divide the religion and make it into mere sects and each one rejoicing that they are on the truth Allah says in surah room chapter 30 verse 31 and 32 that be not like those who associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and like those who divide the religion and make it into mere sects each one rejoicing That they are sufficient, they are on the right path Allah repeats this message In Surah Mu'minun Chapter number 23 Verse number 53 and 54 That Be not like those Who Divide the religion and make into sects Each one Each one rejoicing In itself, that means they are on the truth Allah repeats this message In Surah Shu'ara, chapter number 42 Verse number 13 and 14 that be steadfast in religion and divide not a religion. And there are several other verses of the Quran which says, "Do not make sex." So making sex in the religion of Islam is haram. It is prohibited. I have given you four references. There are many other. But when we ask a Muslim, now what is he? Who is he? Some say, "I am a Hanafi." Some say, "I am a Shafi." Some say i some say i a Maliki, some say I'm a Salafi, some say I'm a Hadith. Who was our beloved Prophet? Was he a Hanafi? Was he a Maliki? Was he a Shafi? Was he a Humbly? Was he a Was he a Salafi? What was he? Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Al Imran, chapter number 3, verse number 67 Abraham, peace be upon him. He was not a Jew or a Christian. He was true in faith. He was a Muslim. Allah says in Surah Imran, chapter number 3, verse number 52, that the followers of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, they said that we are Muslims. Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Hajj, chapter number 22, verse number 78 Strive in the way of Allah. Oh, you believe? Strive in the way of Allah as you ought to strive with steadfastness with steadfastness and discipline and Allah has chosen you and has not put difficulty in your religion and He has chosen for you the cult the religion the deen of Abraham and he called you Muslims in the previous revelations and in this revelation Allah says he has called you Muslims In the previous revelations and in this revelation therefore give charity and offer salah so Allah says that he has named you Muslims in this revelation and the previous revelations so Allah has given us the label of Muslim and you find in several places of the Quran Allah tells us that Call yourself Muslims. Allah says in Surah Fusilat chapter number forty-one, verse number thirty-three. Woman, better in the I am in speech than one who invites to the way of thy Lord, works righteousness, and says that I am a Muslim, says that I bow to the will of Allah. Your Allah doesn't say, "Say I am Hanafi, you are a Shafi, you are a Hanbali, you are a Marji, you are a Salafi, you are a Allah says, "Call in the name of a Muslim. Say that I am a Muslim." Allah repeats the message. In Surah Zumar, chapter number 39, verse number 12, say that I am the first to be amongst those who are Muslims, who bow to the will of Allah. Allah says, Say that you are the first amongst the Muslims. And I started my talk with the master key of Dawah. Not started in between my talk, I said, The master key of Dawah is al Imran, chapter number three, verse number sixty four, which says, Kul, ya Kitab. Say, O people of the book, Ta'ala wila kalmetin sawa come to common terms as in us and you. Which is the first term? Allah, illallah. That we worship none but Allah. bihi that we associate no partners with him. that we erect not among ourselves lords and patrons other than Allah. Fa' If then they turn back. Fakulu shadu. Say I bear witness that we are Muslims bowing our will to Allah. Even when we speak to the non-Muslims, when there's a problem, Fakulu Shadu, I bear witness that we are Muslims bowing our will to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah clearly mentioned in Surah Hajj, chapter number twenty-two, verse number 78, that He gave us the label of Muslim. And in no less than seven verses of the Quran he says, Call yourself Muslim, Kul, 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 say you're Muslim, say you're Muslim. Allah says in Surah Fusilat, chapter 41, verse number 33, in Surah Azumur, chapter 39, verse number twelve, in Surah Al Imran, chapter number three, verse number sixty four, in Surah Baqarah, chapter number two, verse number 136. In Surah Al Ambiya, chapter number 21, verse number 108, in Surah Qasas, chapter number 28, verse number 53, in Surah Ankabut, chapter number 29, verse number 46, in no less than seven places, Allah says, Kul, say that you are Muslim, say that you are a Muslim. So, where is the difference of opinion? See, all these four great ayamas Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Imam Abdul ibn Humble we love them all. I respect them all. I revere them all. They were great scholars. But if we read the history of these great imams, then we will really be understanding what they said. When we read the history of Imam Shafi, I'm sorry. When we read the history of Imam Abu Hanifa, he came earlier. He was born on 701 CE, the Christian era, and died on. 767 CE in the Hijri, 150 Hijri died. He told, according to Abu Yusuf, who was one of his students, Imam Abu Hanifa said, Ya Yaqub, O Yaqub, woe to those who write down my opinions because I may say something today but leave it tomorrow i may have an opinion tomorrow i may leave it the day after imam abu hanifa said o oh yaqub go to those who write my opinions for today i may have an opinion and i may leave it tomorrow tomorrow i may have an opinion and i may leave it the day after so abu hanifa may allah's mercy be on him rahimahullah he discouraged people writing his opinion unless it was a unanimous ijma Amongst all the scholars, amongst all the students, then he gave permission. otherwise, he did not like people writing his opinions. And according to one of his students, Zufar, he says that Imam Shafi, he said that we should be careful. The opinion, we are human beings, we make mistakes what opinion I have today, he said, according to the student Zufar of Imam Abu Hanifa, that I forbid people to pass opinions without proof, based on my opinion. Abu Hanifa said that I forbid people to pass opinions, to make judgments, without analyzing my proof. I forbid those people without analyzing my proof to pass the opinion on my statements that means unless you don't know the proofs you do not give opinion on my statement he forbid those people to make without analyzing his proofs to give the opinion on the statements of a Hanifa, according to student so far further we read that imam Ibn Abdul Bar, Imam ibn Abdul Bar, he writes, he was also an Imam, he says that Abu Hanifa said, Imam Abu Hanifa said, that the Sai Hadith is my Madhab. If you find a Sai Hadith, that is my Madhab. If you find any Sai Hadith, that is my way of life. That is my Madhab. And Abu Hanifa, may Allah please with him, he said, according to Muhammad, one of his students, he said that Abu Hanifa said, Imam Abu Hanifa said that if you find any of my fatwa, any of my opinion, which goes against the Book of Allah and the sayings of the Messenger, you reject my opinion. That means if you find any opinion of Abu Hanifa, Imam Abu Hanifa, which goes against Allah and his Rasul, and he say hadith, which was Madab, then reject his opinion. So when people ask me, that does my voodoo break. If accidentally I touch a woman or not. Or if someone asks me that after Surah Fatiha do you say Amin loudly or no? So I tell that after Surah Fatiha I say Amin loudly. If the Imam is reading in the Fajr Salah or Maghrib Aisha the loud salah, after he says Gael I say Amin loudly. That's the reason. I am a Pakka Hanafi. Abu Hanifa said that if you find any of my opinion, any of my fatwa which goes against the Book of Allah or the Messenger, reject my fatwa. So I rejected the opinion of Abu Hanifa that don't say I "Amin" mean loudly and I say I "Amin" mean loudly after Surah Fatiha. That is the reason I am a Pakka Hanafi. If Hanafi means a person who follows the teachings of Abu Hanifa, then I say I am a Pakka Hanafi 100%. The other Hanafis. They are 60 percent, 70 percent. Say hadith was his mother, and according to Ibn Wahab, he says that one day some people came and asked Imam Malik that while doing wudu, do we have to wipe between the web spaces of the toes? Imam Malik said the Prophet did not do that. It's not required. After everyone went away, Ibn Wahab he told Imam Malik. And he quoted the hadith and he gave the narration and gave the name of the Ravi that the Prophet in wudu he wiped his web spaces between the toes. So Imam Shafi said, Yes, that is a good hadith, that's a Sai hadith. And later on, whenever anyone asked Imam Malik that should we wipe between the web spaces between the toes, he said, Yes, he changed his opinion. So whatever belongs to the Sai hadith, his opinion was of the Sai hadith. and imam malik may allah's mercy be on him he said that i am a human being i can err and sometimes i'm correct i can err i can make a mistake and sometimes i'm correct but if any of my opinions go against the book of allah and his messenger discard my opinion same thing if any of the opinions of imam malik imam malik may allah be pleased with him he said May Allah's mercy your name. That if you find any of my fatwa, any of my opinion which goes against Allah and Rasul, reject my opinion, discard my opinion. So, the Maliki's when they offer salah, they put their hands at the side. But when we read in the Hadith of Abu Daud, point number 1, Hadith number 755 and 757 says that you should tie your hands below the navel, but it's a zaif hadith. Both these Hadith are zaif according to Imam Abu Daud. Abu Da'ud volume number 1 hadith number 756 says that keep the hand above the navel which is more strong than the zayf hadith but the next hadith Abu Dawud volume number 1 hadith number 758 Abu Dawud volume number 1 hadith number 756 says that keep the hand above the navel which is more strong than the zayf hadith but the next hadith Abu Dawud volume number 1 hadith number 758 it says that when you keep your hands during salah on your chest and it says this is the stronger hadith though this is a mursal hadith mursal means there is a link missing in between but in the commentary it says it is the strongest than the other hadith even if you read the hadith of Sayyid ibn khazayma it says that the prophet kept his hand on his chest when he offered salah even that is a mursal hadith but along with other hadith shaykh nasir al-albani has classified it as sahih so it is the strongest of all the hadith where to keep your hand The strongest is keep on the chest So when I offer my salah, I keep my hand on my chest Therefore I say I am a pakka maliki Imam Malik said if you find any of my fatwa which goes against Allah and His Rasul You reject my fatwa So if the maliki say that Imam Malik said keep your hands on the chest The story is different but assuming he said that but he said, if you find my fatwa which goes the Rasul, reject my fatwa. So I rejected his fatwa. And I keep man on the chest. Therefore, I am a Pakka Maliki, 100%, Saufi The other Malikis, they are 60%, 70%. I am 100%. And if you read the history, during the Khalifa, the Caliphs, of the Abbasid Caliphs, Abu Jafar, and Harun Rashid. Both these two caliphs, they wanted to print the fatwa of Imam Malik, known as Muatta, So Muatta Malik. He said no, because the companions of the Prophet, they are spread in different parts. My judgment is based on whatever limited knowledge I have, because the companion, the sahaba of the Prophet, spread in different parts of the world. I cannot say for sure whether mine is correct or not. Therefore, he did not allow the caliphs. To make his muatta as the law. He did not want to make his madab as the law of the state. Imagine. That was the thinking of Imam Malik. May Allah's mercy be on him. Next came Imam Shafi. Imam Shafi. He was a student of Imam Malik. He was also a student of the student of Abu Hanifa. And Imam Shafi said. It is not possible. For any human being. Not to know a single hadith of the Prophet. So if you don't know some hadith, your fatwa can be wrong. So that's the reason, he said, that if you find any opinion of Imam Malik, or my opinion, or Imam Malik, or Al-Awzari, or Athawri, look at where they got the opinion from. Means go to their source. And he said, Do not follow my opinion blindly. Don't follow my opinion blindly. See where they got the opinion from. Go back. And Imam Shafi, may Allah's mercy be on him, he said, that If you find any Sai Hadith, that is my Madhab. So the Madhab of Imam Shafi was of the sahih Hadith. And he said, If you find any Sai Hadith, which goes against my opinion, reject my opinion. He also said, that if you find any of my fatwa, which goes against Allah and His Rasul, reject my fatwa. So then, if people ask me, that if I am in wudu, and if accidentally I touch a woman or a woman touches me, does my wudu break? I said, no. My wudu does not break, because according of say Hadith in Abu Dawud and say Muslim, the wudu does not break. So therefore, I am a pakka Shafi because Imam Shafi said if you find any of my fatwa any of my opinion which goes against Allah and the opinion of the Prophet any Sahih hadith you reject my fatwa so that is the reason I am a pakka shafi the other shafi they are 60% shafi 70% 80% not pakka not 100% I am sowfitar shafi and if you know history Imam Shafi when he was in Baghdad he wrote a book of his fatwas known as al hujjah later on when he traveled to Egypt and he came back, he studied under the students of Imam Light, Ibn Asad. And he changed his fatwa. Many of his fatwas he changed. He wrote a new book, Al Um. So now we have a Kadim Shafi book, Al Hujjah, and the Jadeed, the new one, Al Um. That means Imam Shafi, when he learnt under the students of Imam Light, people have a misconception, they have only four IMRs. There were several imams. These four imams they became popular because the students made their teachings popular. There were other imams, like Imam Layat ibn Saad. According to Imam Shafi, he said, though Imam Shafi was a student of Imam Malik, he said that Imam Layat was far superior in fiqh than Imam Malik also. Imam Shafi can say that, we can't say that. There were several other imams. The fourth Ahimma, Imam, Imam Ibn ibn Hanbal. Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal also was the same opinion. He was so strict that Abu Hanifa, Imam Abu Hanifa, he said, don't write my opinion unless it is confirmed, unless there is an ijma. Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal was more strict because taklid started. He said, don't write any of my opinions. If you find any of my opinion, whether it be for Imam Malik, on my opinion on Imam Malik or Imam Shafi Imam Abu Hanifa, go to the source and if you find any of my opinion which goes against the opinion of Allah and His Rasul, you reject my opinion that's the reason I say I am a hundred percent humbly, if humbly means a person who follows the teachings of Imam Ahmad I am a hundred percent humbly other people are seventy percent, eighty percent so in teachings if you say, following the teachings of Abu Hanifa, Imam Abu Hanifa, may Allah's mercy be on him, makes you Hanafi, I am a paqqa Hanafi, 100% Hanafi. If following the teachings of Imam Malik makes you a Maliki, I am a 100% Maliki. If following the teachings of Imam Shafi makes you a Shafi, I am a 100% Shafi. If following the teachings of Imam Al- Ibn Nambal makes you a humbly, I am a 100% Sawfisad, humbly. Because all these four great, great said If you find any of my Fatwa Which goes against Allah and His Rasul you throw my Fatwa on the wall See all the Madhabs Of all these four great imams was what? What is the meaning of Madhab? Madhab means way Way of going or time of going Another word for Madhab is Sunnah Even Sunnah means way Sunnah of the Prophet means way of the Prophet So all the madhabs of all these four ayammas was the madhab of the Rasul. All the ayammas said, if you find a sahih hadith, you reject my opinion. That means all the four ayammas, their madhab was the madhab of the Rasul. Simple. The way of the Rasul. Imam Abu Hanifa, may Allah be pleased with him. May Allah's mercy be on him. He never came to start a new Hanafi madhab. Imam Malik never came to start a new Maliki Madhab Imam Shafi never came to start a Shafi Madhab Imam Abad ibn Humble never came to start a new Humbly Madhab All of them followed the Madhab of the Rasul Like how the Christians misunderstand Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, never came to teach Christianity He came to teach Islam Similarly All these four great Imams They came to give us knowledge Of the teachings of Allah and His Rasul Their Madhab was no Madhab But the Madhab of the Rasul Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Al Imran, chapter number 4, verse number 59 Obey Allah and obey the Messenger and those charged with affairs. With Those charged with affairs or with knowledge. You have to follow Allah and His Rasul After that, Allah says, and those who are charged with the affairs, those endowed with knowledge. But the verse does not end there. The verse continues. But if they differ, Go back to Allah and His Rasul. So if those with knowledge, Imam Shafi, Imam Ibn Hanbal, Imam Malik, Imam Humble, May Allah's mercy be on them all. If they differ, go back to Allah and His Rasul. So all the four Imams they said the same thing. If you find my fatwa which goes against Allah and His Rasul, reject my opinion. Same thing Allah says, Atullah, Rasul, obey Allah and obey the messengers, and those charged with their faith, those are not with knowledge. But if they differ. Go back to Allah and His Rasul if you believe in Allah and the last day. For this is the best and the correct way of determination. There is no better way of determination according to Allah than going back to Allah and His Rasul. It is so simple. Now, there are some brothers who come and ask me the question. Brother Zakir, fine. Those people who have knowledge of Quran and Hadith, for them it is very easy to know what is right, what is. Wrong. What is sahi hadith? What is sahi hadith? How can we, as lay Muslims, as common Muslims, understand what is right, what is wrong? It's a very good question. I tell them. Then they say that's the reason we do taqlid. I tell them, see, what is the meaning of taqlid? Taqlid means, see, following the opinion of any scholar does not make you. In the format of takhleedazm, you can If, after showing proof that the scholar you are following is wrong, and then you follow him yet, that makes you a mukhaled. For example, if your mother has a heart problem, fine, has a heart problem, and some doctor, what will you do, who will you go to? You won't go to Tom, Dick, and Harry. you'll go to a heart specialist. You do research. MBBS, no, no, no. MD, ha, MD. MD in what? In brain? No, no, no. Heart, yes. So before going to a doctor, you do research. You check up what is the degree. MBBS, no, no, no. MD, yes. MD in what? Gynecology, no, no, no. Kidney, no, no, no. Brain, no, no, no. Cardiologist, ah, yes. DM, super specialty. MD of medicine, then you do super specialty, DM. You do your research and then you go to him You don't blindly follow any Tom, Dick and Harry If anyone on the street says no, Mother has a heart attack, okay do this Will you follow him? Will you follow him? No You will do research Similarly The third category Atullah, Rasul, Allah and obey The Messenger The third category Those endowed with knowledge Or those charged with their affairs. You do research Any scholar says anything Check up whether it's right or wrong See everything you cannot check up. Now you have heard ten different scholars. You understand how uh, scholar number A. He has given about 30, 40 references. I has checked up 20. 20? 20, oh, oh, Quran sai hadith. So 20 first you need not check. You check scholar number two. Scholar number two, mixture. Part correct. Say hadith, part zaif hadith. Third scholar, majority. Pulling fast ones. Sai hadith, it's not there Bukhari, you open Bukhari More than 7000 hadith you don't find it only So you have many scholars You do little research Now once you are Once you make up mind ha, Scholar number one ah, When he talks, he gives references When I checked up the references Quran, Sai hadith then, then what happens Then when you ask an opinion And three scholars gives you the opinion You automatically follow the first scholar because I've checked up 20 things of his it has turned out to be right even the 21st inshallah will be right so every layman cannot do research on everything everyone says so first but you have to limited research this scholar number A, ah, he speaks on Quran and hadith scholar A, B, C, D or scholar number 1 scholar number 2 or scholar number B partly right, partly wrong scholar number C or scholar number 3 majority wrong So you do little research and classify which type of a scholar is he. And then if you follow without doing research scholar number one, no problem. But, suppose you follow scholar number one, you have done research on. Another scholar comes and says, what scholar number one has said is wrong. I give you proof from Quran and Sai Hadith. You check up the proof. If it is wrong, you reject him and follow scholar number one. But if the proof... That fourth scholar gave you. It is from Quran and Hadith, going against the opinion of scholar number one. Then you reject the fatwas, scholar number one. So if see for example, I am there. When I hear something, what I speak in the talk, I do my research. But there is more more knowledge in my br- in my head in my brain, which I haven't checked up. But yet I classify. For example. If I hear a statement from Sheikh Nasruddin albani Masha'Allah Who expired recently According to me is one of the greatest muhaddis of the recent times So what he says I follow on the face of it Because I've checked up He's a scholar Masha'Allah following Quran and Sahihadir But if someone gets me a fatwa Against Nasruddin albani If it's from Quran and Sunnah I may reject the fatwa of Nasruddin albani I mean but i mean but i know see, every human being can make mistakes imam shafi made a mistake imam abu hanifa made a mistake imam abu ibn hambal made imam malik made so why can't shaykh al Mani make he can make but he belongs to the group of scholars which checks up on quran and hadith so if someone gives a fatwa a local person from here and Nasrul dharmani i'll believe if I don't have time, but if I say in the lecture, I check it up. What I say in the lecture, I check up, because I'm responsible for that. But for my own knowledge, if I have to make opinion, I can't keep on checking every hadith. Difficult, difficult for a layman. So, but to classify which group of scholars are you reading of, which books are you reading, whose books are you reading, whose cassettes are you listening to, you classify them. Authentic scholar, this scholar makes 20% mistakes, this scholar 50%, this scholar 90% mistakes. You classify and then. If you don't have time and belong to the first group of scholars which is authentic, you need not check up everything. If you have the time, it is the best. Do it. alhamdulillah MashaAllah. but don't have the time? Yet you can. That's not called taklid. But if someone shows you proof against the scholar you respect and yet you follow him blindly, that is takleid. The takleit we can only do is of Allah and his Rasul. Bas. Rasul Bas. No one else. Simple. Simple formula. Now, some people come and tell me, Brother Zakir, you talk said don't make sex, but didn't the Prophet said there will be 73 sex? I said yes. The Prophet said there will be. Prophet didn't say you should make. Allah says don't make, but Prophet knew even though Allah says don't make sex, the Muslims are bound to make. So he predicted there will be. He didn't say you should make. And if you read the Sahih Hadith of Abu Dawood, hadith number four five seven nine and hadith number four five eight zero it says that prophet ma'am said that the Jews were divided into seventy one or seventy two sects the Christians were divided into seventy one or seventy two sects and the Muslims will be divided into 73 sects so the Hadith of Tirmidhi hadith number one three one as well as the Hadith of Tirmidhi hadith number two six four three where the Prophet said That the Bani Israel, the Jews and the Christians, they were divided into 72 sects, but my ummah will be divided into 73 sects. All will go to hell except one. So the companions asked, who are they? The Prophet said, those that belong to me and my companions. The Prophet said, there will be 73 sects. All will go to hell except one those that belong to me and my companions and there is the hadith of Sahih Bukhari volume number 3 hadith number 2652 the prophet said the best of the people are those of my time means the companions, the sahabas after that the next generation after that the next generation. The Prophet said the best people are those who are of my generation, the Sahabas. After that, the next generation, the Tabi'in. After that, the next generation, Tabi'in." Finish. So if you have to take anything, you have to take from the generation of the Prophet, the companions, the next generation, Tabi'in. And that's it, three generations. This we call as the Salaf as Salihin. The righteous predecessors, predecessors, or the righteous forefathers. Salaf means predecessor, forefather. So in the Sharia, in the Islamic ruling, the highest authority, there are four categories the highest authority is the quran is allah's word if you want to find something if it's not there in the quran you go to the next source that is the hadith the sahih hadith the saying of the prophet in the saying of the prophet the commandment of the prophet the call carries more weight than the actions of the prophet so if the commandment and the actions contradict the commandment carries weight the third source is the Sahaba's Ijma, the three generations Sahaba's, Tain, and Tabithain. The Ijma of these people, of the Sahaba, carries more weight than the individual opinion of the Sahaba. Then Tain, Tabithain. And the last source is the Kias. If you don't find in any top three sources, in the quran in the hadith in the lifestyle of the sahaba the time and the time then you can use kias analogy deduction so sharia on four things broadly the quran the hadith no sai hadith is the quran quran number one then comes sai hadith in the sai hadith call carries more weight than the amal the commandment carries more weight than the action then the lifestyle of the three generations sahabas tain. time Tain. Ijma is more with the individual opinion then comes the qiyas so this is how we should follow we should follow Quran and the Sunnah but now all the groups say we follow Quran and Sunnah Quran and Sunnah everyone no one says he does not follow Quran and Sunnah so how should the Quran and Sunnah be followed the way the Prophet and the Sahabas understood the way the three generations the sahaba said Allah Rasul said Muhammad said the best generation is my generation then the next then the next so if there is difference of opinion in how to understand a verse of the Quran you have to see how did the Sahaba understand it if you don't find in that then the next generation if you don't find in that then the next generation this is how you follow because many verses of the Quran for example the word masah has got two meanings." Sexual touch physical touch when you go to the hadith you come to know it is Sexual touch not physical touch easy Similarly when there's any difference of opinion in understanding any verse of the Quran you have to understand according If there are any other verses commentary of the Quran Quran is the best if not go to the Sahih hadith of the Prophet if you don't find there, in the lifestyle of the sahabas the tabaim the Finish. So for proof for Hujjah and understanding the Quran and the Hadith you have to follow it according to Allah, His Rasul, and the Salaf Salihin. This is how we look at it. Otherwise, many verses of the Quran can mean two things like the verse in the Quran in Surah Baqarah that those who are martyrs they are not dead, they are alive. Some people say, oh, that means they're alive. That means you can talk to them. If the martyrs are alive, the shahid are alive, even the prophet is alive. Very good logic. But how did the sabhas understood? Did the sabah consider the prophet to be alive? They buried him. They even read the janazah Salah. Even the martyrs, when they were killed in the battlefield, didn't the Sabahs read the janazah salah? Can you read janazah Salah of a live person? So what the Quranic verse says that when the enemies rejoiced that we killed your people, they are alive within the year after they are in benefit. It does not mean physically they are alive. If physically they are alive, why did the sahabahs bury them? So here if you understand the Quranic verse, difficulty, two opinions, go to the Quran, the sunnah, the way of the sahabahs and the salafahs all And you get the reply. No difficulty. Easy. Don't have to be a scholar little bit jihad little bit research little bit not much now there is another group of people when i ask them that who are you what are you they say i am an Ali- hadith so i said what is the meaning of Ali- hadith he said we are the people of the quran and the sunnah quran and the hadith so i said fine makes sense so i tell them okay fine if you want to say hadith, i would prefer calling myself ahli sai hadith because i only follow quran and sai hadith there are other muslims who even follow zaif hadith and modu hadith i am Ali Say hadith if you want to call me something see Ali hadith means see other people they follow zaif hadith modu hadith keeping hand below navel no problem so they call themselves Ahle hadith, no i am ahli Say hadith if you want to call so I asked these people that, brother, you call yourself Ali Hadith, means we are Pakka following Quran and funnah I said, very good. So I asked them the question that, which verse of the Quran, in which verse of the Quran did Allah say, call yourself Ali Hadith? They say we don't find any. Is there any sahi Hadith in which the Prophet said, call yourself Ali Hadith? No reply. So therefore, I don't call myself Ahle Hadith. I call myself Muslims. Therefore, I am a pakka Ahle Hadith. You all are? Kacha. Ninety percent, ninety-five percent, maybe ninety-eight percent. I am pakka Ahle Hadith. Sahih Hadith. It makes sense, or not? When you say you follow Quran and say Hadith, there is no Quranic verse in which Allah says call yourself Ahle Hadith. There is no Say Hadith. In which the prophets they call us of Ali Hadith. There is another group of people similar to Al-Hadith. They say we are Salafi. So I say, Salafi? if I'm a Salafi. So I said, What's the Salafi? So the Salafi means following? The Salafi's Salafi is following. I said, even I follow Salafi's Salafi is I follow Allah, His Rasul. And the Salaf is following the generation at the time of the Prophet, the next generation, and the next generation. But then I asked him, that did any time, is there any verse in the Quran which Allah says, Call us, Salafi. They said, no. Is there any Hadith in which Allah's Prophet said, Kala says Salafi. And they said, no. But, there was one Salafi who came and gave me a Hadith. The Prophet said, I am a Salaf. And he quoted, "Sayyib, Sayy Muslim," didn't give me the reference. I said, "Fine." I went to Sayy Muslim. Let's check. There was a hadith. Sayy Muslim reference is 2,405 something or like that. 2,400 something. Hadith, Sayy Hadith, but the, it was a picked-up hadith in between. The complete hadith says that Muhammad sallallahu wa sallam told Fatima. May Allah be pleased with her daughter, that I am an excellent salaf for you. I am an excellent salaf for you. The father telling his daughter. Now, Prophet Muhammad told his daughter, Hazrat Fatima, may Allah be pleased with her, I am an excellent salaf. As I told you, salaf literally in Arabic means predecessor, forefather. So if I tell my daughter, I am your Salaf, no problem. An Arab who's a Christian, if he does in Arabic to his daughter, I am your Salaf, no problem. So literally, no problem. But Islamically, Islamically predecessors fine, Muhammad was an excellent salaf for his daughter. But here, every father may not be an excellent Islamic person for his daughter. Maybe the daughter of the children may be more Islamic than the father. So every father can't can't tell the children. No, literally, if you understand the word salaf, according to scholars, who the salafis claim to be good scholars, they say that literally no one today can say he's a salaf. Why? We are khalaf. We came afterwards. The salafs are before us. So compared to the previous people, we are khalaf. Yes, we can be salaf of our Children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. So technically we can be salaf, Islamically we can't. Islamically we are khalaf. Clear? Fine. When I'd gone to Australia, the first time I went to Australia, I'd gone for lecture tour, and a group of good brothers, mashallah, following Quran and Sunnah, say Hadith, they called me for a lecture tour. And normally we had correspondence, we came. And we reached in that city. I, I don't want to name the group. They're good brothers, mashallah. We reached in the night. So I and my camera crew were with me. So we offered salah. We offered the salah. So brother said, hey man, you pray like us. I said, what do you mean I pray like you? I pray like the Prophet. He said, hey man, you pray like us. I said, what do you mean I pray like you? I pray like the Prophet. See, this, this group, mashallah, they are following Quran and Hadith. But what they should have said, we are proud that you pray like the Prophet. They said, you pray like me. I never saw him praying before. I am praying from years. So I am not praying like him. I am praying like the Prophet. And Alhamdulillah, he is also praying like the Prophet. So what he should have said was, we are proud that you pray like the Prophet. But he said, hey man, you pray like us. Very happy. Because when they called me, they had seen my cassettes. But they did not know. These words. They had seen my cassettes. But they did not know. So what? Zakir's piece of comparative religion? Yes, correct. But we don't know Zakida. We don't know Zakida. So, reluctantly they called me. Seeing that, fine, I'm special in the field of comparative religion. They saw my cassette, they didn't find anything wrong. But they didn't know my akhida. They didn't know how I pray. So they called me reluctantly. But when they saw me praying, they were happy. Ah! Hey man, you pray like us. So I said, no, I pray like the Prophet. But they were good brothers, mashallah. So then I gave the same, you know. Then we sat for dinner and we had a good talk. And the same topic, I said, I'm a pakka Hanafi, pakka shafi, pakka Hamli, pakka al So when it came to Salafi, I said I'm a pakka Salafi. But nowhere does the Quran say, "Call it say Salafi." Oh, there's no Sahih Hadith in which the Prophet said, "Call it Salafi." So most of the brothers they agreed with me, except for one. One brother, he disagreed. All the other brothers, MashaAllah, Zakir, bhai, brother Zakir, we agree with you. One brother, he said, he asked me, brother Zakir, do you know Sheikh Nasrud Albani?" I said, yes, I know him. What do you think of him? I said, MashaAllah. One of the greatest muhaddis of our time, that was a few years back, when Sheikh Nasruddin was alive. may Allah. Allah's mercy be on him. Ha, do you agree with him? Yeah, he's a good scholar. I respect him, I love him. I revere him. Okay, I will give you his statement. So he went on the internet and he downloaded from albani.com his fatwas. Now reply to these fatwas. And Shaykh Nasruddin Albani, may Allah's be on him. I love him, I respect him, I revere him. I appreciate him, mashallah. And he is of one of the two groups of scholars. One group of scholars saying, saying Salafi is fard. And he belongs to that group of scholars, one of the staunchest saying Salafi is Fard. So I, I said, Alhamdulillah, if anyone, the day anyone proves me from Quran and Sahih Hadith, if today someone proves me, I will accept it today itself. But I will check it up. Huh? If anyone proves to me, the day anyone proves to me from the Quran and the Sahih Hadith that calling yourself Salafi is Fard or calling yourself Ahli Hadith is a Fard, I will call. Or calling yourself Hanafi is a Fard or Maliki is Fard, I will tell that. In action I am, In label, I prefer calling myself Muslim. So when I went to his fatwas, Sheikh Nasir al-Albani, he gave fatwas of great scholars, and he said that Abu Hanifa said, and the hadith he quoted that there will be 73 sects, all will go to hell, except one, that is the jamaah. And if you cross-reference, jamaah means the first three generations. Cross-reference, Sahih Bukhari. Five. I agree with that He quoted Abu Hanifa said Imam Abu Hanifa said That the jama means Following the way Of the companions The next generation, next generation The salafist following I said I do that He gave the quotation Of Sheikh ibn Taymiyyah It is obligatory That you follow The is following I said I do that He gave the fatwa Of Imam Shafi It is compensatory You follow the three generations The pious predecessors I said I follow What's the problem? But did these people say call yourself Salafi, Abu Hanifa never said that, Imam Shafi never said that, Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah never said that, people assume he said he never said that. So now there is no proof from Quran and Sahih Hadith that you should call yourself Salafi. There is a khiyas, a logic of Sheikh Nasr al and appreciate sure Sheikh Nasr Almani. he's a very good scholar, inshallah within a few minutes I will end. There's a question and answer session, how I had a question and answer session. If you go to Nasrudalbani.com, you'll find it. He tries to convince with logic why you should call yourself a Salafi. He says, questioner and sheikh replying. Sheikh asks, what are you? The questioner says, I'm a Muslim. So Sheikh Nasrud Albani replies, what type of Muslim are you? Are you a Khariji? Are you a Mutazali? Are you a Shiite? Are you a Rifadi? Are you a Qadiri? What type of Muslim are you? So the questioner says, I am a Muslim following Quran and Sunnah. What Sunnah? Everyone says Quran and Sunnah. The, the Khariji says Quran Sunnah. The Shia says Quran Sunnah. The Qadari says Quran Sunnah. What type of Quran Sunnah are you? So he says, I follow Quran and Sunnah like the way the Salaf Salihin understood. The Sheikh says, yes, very good. You have to follow Quran and Sunnah The way the Salaf is understood So for this big sentence In short form The word is Salafi And the debate was won According to The Salafi The debate was won And on the internet you go I respect Sheikh Nasir Almani." Many of my talks When I want to check up a hadith I see him. so I respect him, mashallah I love him, I revere him But no takleed. No takleem. Taklid only belongs to Allah and His Raful. Fine. See, this is logic. This is kias. See, logic. I say, prove to me from Quran and Funnah, not logic. Alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah. Allah has blessed me with logic. Summa alhamdulillah. I am not a scholar. I consider myself a student of Talib ilm a student of knowledge. But Allah has blessed me that I've met many scholars whether it be of the great Indian scholars, whether from nadwa whether from Deoband, whether it be the Saudi scholars, Alhamdulillah, whether it be the scholars from other parts of the world, Allah has blessed me. I had the opportunity to interact with the great scholars of the present time. Alhamdulillah, Summa Alhamdulillah. Interacting with them, Allah has increased my knowledge, but yet I am a student. I am very small. I have limited knowledge. But the logic is there, Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me with logic. So based on that, what type of Muslim are you? Are you a Khariji? Are you a Mutazali? Are you a Shia? Are you a Qadri? Are you a Sufi? Based on that, even the debate. So he said, see. Then Sheikh replies, No, but the questioner says, But didn't Allah say, call yourself Muslim? So the Sheikh replies, At that time there was only one Islam. Now there are different groups so therefore it is compulsory for obligatory you should identify yourself as a salafi logic now comes my reply and the debate was ended there sheikh nasud albani won the debate see for me don't debate with me prove to me from quran and sunnah immediately dr Zakir Naik will accept debating alhamdulillah summa alhamdulillah allah has blessed me in debating alhamdulillah Allah has blessed me. My response to Sheikh Nasrud al I respect him. I am nothing compared to him. I am not even a drop in the ocean compared to Sheikh Nasrud al So please don't get me wrong. Many of my talks are based on his research, mashallah. So please don't get me wrong. I love him. I respect him. But no takleed. I tell him, fine. If you see the lifestyle in the history of the Prophet, he didn't quote any hadith to me. He didn't quote to me any verse of the Quran that call us a Salafi. So I don't call. No logic. At the time of the Prophet, they were hypocrites, munafiks. Fine. They were munafiks. The Sahabas did not change the name. They were Kharijis. khawarij Kharijites. They called themselves Kharijis. People gave them the label. The Sahabas yet called themselves Muslims. Did the Sahaba say, give them a new name? No. They continued calling themselves Muslim. They were Mutazalites. People yet continued calling themselves Muslims. So at that time also there were differences. Not that they were not. Now coming to the question. That therefore, Sheikh Nasir Dal bani says you should call, you, call yourself Salafi. My question is, which Salafi? Which Salafi? My counter question. And now do you know how many of Salafi? Are you a Qutubi? A Sururi? I can name another Salafi. See, I'm not speaking against anyone. Please don't get me wrong. I don't mean ill to any of them. But even in Salafi, there are various groups. And if you go to UK, Masha Allah, Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar, there are so many groups in UK. Each group fighting against the other, calling the other Salafi a Kafir. Nauz We'll come to that later on if time permits. So which Salafi do you belong to? Again. See, whatever label you give, there's bound to be tafarraqah. When the Shias came, people said, we are sunni. Again, there was group Ahle Sunna Wal Jamaat. Then, again there was division. Hanafi, Shafi, Hamli Malaki. Then we came with Salafi, Ali Adith. There's a group even in this. The moment the name, the name given by human beings, there's bound to be tafarakur. Even in Allah's name, Muslims are bound to be division. Allah told that. But don't think the name you give will not have division. Don't you think Allah did not know? Allah knew there are going to be division in the Muslim Ummah. He told in the Quran, the Prophet predicted, yet the Prophet didn't say call yourself Ali Hadith, call yourself Salafi. Ali Hadith. Which Aliyadis in, in Bombay, where I come from, there are two Aliyadis Jamiat Aliyadis and Gurba Aliyadis? So, which Aliyadis do I belong to now? One Aliyadis blaming the other Aliyadis. See, I don't want to mean any harm to the Aliyadis, therefore, I said the topic is sensitive. Wallah, I'm only trying to talk about Quran and Allah's Rasul. Please don't feel bad. I respect Nasruddin al-Mashaykh, Nasruddin al-Mani, I respect the Salafis, I look. Amongst all these groups that are there, we have to agree the Ahle Hadith and the Salafis are the closest to the Quran and Sunnah. I am proud to say that. But, but, which Salafi? So maybe during the earliest times of Sheikh Nasr al-Mani, there weren't groups in the Salafi. Now there are groups: Sururi, Matkhali, Putubi. Oh, he's not right. He's not right. He's calling him Salafi. But so now we have new books. True Salafi. True Salafi. I read a book called Salafi Dawah. True Salafi, true Salafi. What is true Salafi? I say, you know, we had a Dawah training program in Bombay where we invited people from different parts of the world. There were 14 people, there were 19 people from 14 different countries. And many of them were from Medina University, mashallah, from Bahrain University, all more than 50% were Salafi, mashallah. So we had a discussion there. So then I asked the question Salafi shortcut short name Instead of saying I believe in Quran and Hadith according to of Salafi Salih Shortcut Salafi So I asked him the Salafi Salihin is better or Muhammad is superior Who is better? So they told me Muhammad Wasallam, So why not call yourself Muhammadi? Right or wrong? In India who calls themselves Muhammadi? You know? Do you know? Do you agree with them? No. Who calls themselves Muhammad in India? Who is superior? Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Allah. Allah. So one who submits civil to Allah is called a Muslim. We know there are divisions in Muslim. But whatever name you give, there are going to be division. In the Hanafi maslak, like there were four students. In Shafi maslak, like there's Kadim and Jadid. In the Ahle Hadith, I went to Kashmir. There are many groups of al Hadith. I went to Kerala. Mujahideen. Mujahideen. K-N-M, Kaila Narvatun Mujahideen There people don't call themselves Ali Hadith Mujahideen If you go to Saudi Arabia And say I am Ali Hadith What is this new Ali Hadith? Very few people of the Saudis Know who is an Ali Hadith For them, they know Salafi But Salafi and Ali Hadith belong to the same group The names are different In some country, Ansari Why? So when he is saying call yourself Salafi that means the Ehle Adis of India they are Salafis fine so here we realize that if you want to give a label instead of Salafi, Muhammad is better instead of Muhammad is Muslim therefore I say Atullah, Atul. therefore I for label I prefer calling myself Muslim that's it first a Muslim last a Muslim I am not hurting any of my Muslim brothers, whether the are Hanafi or Shafi or Humbly or Maliki or Eli Adiz or Salafi. Believe me, I love all. I love all my Muslim brothers. I am not here to hurt anyone's feeling. Therefore, I said, Ta'ala will come within Sava in Bainana Bainakum. Come to come in terms as between us and you. I am coming to come in terms. I respect Abu Hanifa, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Ahmad Humble, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi. I respect the great scholars of this. I respect the Salafi Saleen. I follow them. Alhamdulillah. Therefore, first the Muslim, last the Muslim. Now, one of the second reasons for the disunity is which organization you belong to. Organization. Ah, I belong to Jamaat-e-Islami. I belong to tabligh jamaat Ikhwani. So these organizations, what happens? These, ah, see, if you follow Quran and Sunnah, But if you don't belong to my organization i'm not with you see making organization is not wrong in islam giving name to an organization jamaat islami jammut Ali hadith no problem giving any name giving name to an organization jamaat islami jammut Ali hadith no problem Giving any name, Jamat Ali Hadith, Namaat Islami, or center named after Sheikh, uh, uh, Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah, any, no problem. But if that organization is following Quran and Sunnah, according to Salaf al it's the right organization, otherwise it is wrong. Give it any name. After Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him. After Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. After Ibn Taymiyyah, Allah be pleased with him. After Abu Hanifa, Allah be mercy be on him. No problem. No problem. If that organization is following Quran and Sahih Hadith as understood by the Salafi Salihin, it's the right organization. If it is not, reject the organization whether its name is belonging to anyone, whether it's after Ibn Taymiyyah, or whether it is Salafi, whether Ahli Hadith, if it follows Quran and Sahih Hadith according to the understanding of the Salafi Salihin, it is the right organization. So, forming organization is not wrong in Islam, because like we are specialized in dawa. Some people are specialized in Islam, some people are specialized in science. No problem. But what happens if there are two organizations doing dawa, two organizations both are following Quran and Sunnah, but it does not belong to my organization, so I'm against him. I start giving fatwa. What fatwa? That person is a kafir. takfir Direct Don't go to that organization. You know people said don't come to the peace exhibition, you know But the Dakhir told me people are telling don't come to peace exhibition Why because peace exhibition is not organized by me if it was organized by me Then it is good if it's organized by the Jamaat. I belong to it is a good exhibition If it is not organized by my Jamaat, it's not a good organized. It's not a good exhibition. Why? We have to see Allah and his Rasul if that organization, if that exhibition is following Quran and Sahih Hadith, according to the understanding of the Salaf al-Hindi, is the right organization. There's no problem. So making organization is no problem as long as the organization is on the Quran and Sahih Hadith. So if you want to join any organization, verify for yourself whether the organization the Quran and Sahih Hadith. If there's a difference in the Hadith and Quran understanding, as per the understanding of the Salaf al the pious predecessors the three generations finished and say easy but people give fatwa takfir will come takfir later on and according to according to the hadith of muhammad sallallahu alaihi hadith of Sayyid bukhari one number eight hadith number 637 the prophet said any muslim who says kafir to another Muslim, it comes back to him. Muhammad said, it's mentioned in Sahih Bukhari, volume number 8, hadith number 6103, that anyone, any Muslim, tells to another Muslim he's a kafir, he kills him. Now, based on this, the scholars, they said, great scholars, they said that you should not do takfir. Takfir means calling another Muslim another believer a kafir and there are various fatwas of these hadith that according to Hafiz Ibn Hajar he said that the hadith of say Bukhari say that if you call a Muslim a kafir it comes back to you that means the kufr comes back to you and you become a kafir Sheikh khani he said that do not call another believer a kafir until the proofs the Burhan are as clear as the daytime of the Sun Unless it is clear to you that he's a pakka kafir, proof. See if you. It's not fard to call a kafir a kafir. It's not fard. Even if the Muslim may be a kafir, while giving a fatwa, takfir, one man calling a kafir outside the fold. So the various fatwas describing it is wrong. Now, as I mentioned, as far as calling the word Salafi, there are two groups of scholars. One group of scholars say it is fard. And I give you an example of Sheikh Nasr al-Albani. I want to even let you know that Sheikh Saleh fawzan who I respect, he is the scholar of the present time, even he says, calling Salafi is a fard. To a lesser extent, not very staunch, is Sheikh Bin Bas. He says, fine to identify yourself, no problem. But there are other group of scholars who say, calling Salafi is wrong. Scholars who believe in Quran, Hadith, and Salafi Salihin. First, I will quote to the person who is respected the most amongst the Salafis of the present time, Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah. There's a book called, The Call to Islam and the Caller, in which 40 hadiths are mentioned. The 40th hadith, the last hadith is a hadith, in which it is mentioned, it's hadith of tirmidhi hadith number 2600. There it is said that Allah's Messenger, Muhammad said, that I have been instructed with five things which I am instructing to you. First is Jama'ah. First is Jama'ah. Jama'ah means following the three generations, the is solving Second is obeying. Third is hearing. Fourth is Hijrah. And fifth is Jihad in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. First is Jama'ah, following Salafist Second is hearing. Third is obeying fourth is hijrah fifth is jihad in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala five things and anyone who goes away by a span's difference from the jamaah he has thrown the yoke of Islam off his neck and anyone who calls to anyone besides Allah he is inviting you to the abode of hellfire hadith classified as sahih sheikh ibn taymiyyah says after this hadith in this book that one of the salaf the pious predecessors, he said that I don't know on which of the two things should I thank Allah more for bringing me to Islam or for keeping me away from the innovators one of the salaf he quotes and he says I don't know which of the two things should I thank Allah more for bringing me Islam For me becoming a muslim or for keeping me away from the innovators you should call yourself only even in the previous hadith of tirmidhi it ends by saying if you call anything besides the way of the allah what allah has called you and he says muslim moment and abdullah a muslim a believer and the worship of allah if you call anything besides these three things to yourself you're calling yourself to hellfire Hadith. This Salaf, Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah quotes, that if you call anything, I don't know which thing should I thank more for Allah, for bringing me Islam or for keeping me away from the innovators. You cannot call anything besides what Allah has called you in the Quran Muslim, Momin, and Abdullah. Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah. So how can you quote saying Sheikh Ibn Taymiyah says you should call us a Salafi? What Sheikh Ibn Taymiyah said, you have to follow the Salafist following, which even I say Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah never said, call yourself Salafi. I am quoting you another scholar, Sheikh Utaimi. Now, see, all these scholars are stalwarts of the present time. All three expired now Sheikh Almani, Sheikh Bin Baz, Sheikh Utaimi. In the book of Until When Will We Differ? There's a book of Sheikh Utaimi. It's available there in the exhibition. Until When Will We Differ? on page number 36. An Indian asks Sheikh Utaimi a question. In my country, People call towards Ikhwani and Tabliki. Are they on truth or falsehood? Sheikh Utaymi gives the reply. If anyone calls himself at the Ikhwani calling towards Ikhwani, Tabliki or Salafi, he is on falsehood. The question of Salafi wasn't there. Sheikh Utaymi goes out of his way to say, that anyone calls himself a Khawani, a Tabliki, or a Salafi, calling towards them. Huh? It is on falsehood, not I. See, doctors, Zakir Naik, is nothing in Islam. I am zero. Sheikh Utaimi, MashaAllah, has a caliber. So I am following the fatwa of Sheikh Utaimi. So any Salafi who points a finger at me, will have to point a finger at Sheikh Utaimi. Now all these people on the website, you go, David says Sheikh Utaimi says call yourself a Salafi. What he says? Sheikh Utahimi says you should follow the Salafi Salahi. But that's what I say. So Sheikh Utahimi does not mind anyone following Salafi Salahi. But if you call towards saying call yourself a Salafi, he says it is falsehood. Sheikh Utahimi. So Sheikh Nasrun Albani is on one extreme. Further, Sheikh Utaimi says it is wrong. But both agree. Sheikh Nasrun Albani also says that if you call yourself Salafi, thinking you're superior then it is wrong Sheikh Saleh Fauzan also says if you say I'm a Salafi, I'm superior then it is wrong so even these first group of scholars who say calling Salafi is the Fard, even they agree if you call yourself Salafi and say that I'm superior I will go to Jannah, others won't go that is wrong Sheikh Saleh Fauzan, Sheikh Nasruddin Albani Sheikh Bin Bas, Sheikh Utaimi besides saying this he says you should not call yourself a Salafi I am not as staunch as sheikh utaimi if you asked me i said preferably call yourself muslim if someone calls Say salafi in some cases can be muba fine shortcut i don't say it's haram i don't say it's haram but i prefer safe 100 percent safe muslim the scholars are differing should call or not call if someone is calling as a shortcut instead of saying I follow Quran, Hadith, and Salaf all in only to that extent, which is not the case. Most of the people they say Salafi, saved sect. Means all the others will <laughs> do So, this way it is wrong. For a short reason, if you say, I say Mubah, not a farad. I move with the fatwa of Sheikh Salim Munajjid. Sheikh Salim Munajjid said if you call for understanding that you do not belong to the innovators, there is no problem. But if someone calls, Saying I'm a Salafi better, then it is wrong. And he quoted the hadith of Muhammad. That at the time of Muhammad, wa sallam, there was a fight between the Ansar and the muhajirs So the Ansar said, Oh Ansar, come to me. So all the Ansars piled behind Ansar. And the Muhajir said, Oh Muhajir, come help me. The Prophet came to know and said, What is this call of jahiliya See, if you analyze, calling Ansar is not bad, calling Muhajir is not bad. But here they were making groups Ansar, come and help me. Muhajir, come and help me. The Prophet said it is the call of the Jahiliya. Though Ansar is a good name, Ansar means the helpers, helpers of Muhammad. Muhajir means those who migrated in the way of Allah and His Rasul. It's a good name, but yet the Prophet said it is haram. To identify yourself, I'm superior. So, based on this, I don't say Salafi is haram. Don't get me wrong. But absolutely safe is Muslim. If you say Salafi and have a little bit of error and you know, ego and all, problem may go to the, may be dangerous with the Prophet prohibited. Therefore, safe is call inanim in a Muslim and say that I'm a Muslim. Otherwise, I can say I'm a Pakka Hanafi, Pakka Shafi, Pakka Hamli, Pakka Malki, Pakka Salafi, Pakka This no problem but in label call yourself a Muslim I would like to end my talk by giving the opinions in the ending of these great scholars which will open up your mind according those people say takfir takfir kafir kafir." Imam Shafi may Allah's mercy be on him he said that if calling the names Attributes of Allah, what Allah has given is that anything else is haram, is kufr. You can only call to names of Allah what He and His Messenger have given, nothing else. Anything else is kufr. But if someone calls another name in ignorance, then He's not a kafir. Imam Shafi, Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah, you know what He said? He said, If someone prostates to a man and He thinks this is His deen then he is not an unbeliever Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah if someone does shudud to a man Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah said if someone does sajda to a man to a human being and thinks it is his deen he is not an unbeliever until someone explains to him and yet he is on it Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah what a great personality further if you read Sheikh Shawkani, he said that if someone bows down to anyone besides Allah in ignorance, he is not an unbeliever. Muhammad ibn Wahab, he said that we do not call unbelievers to those people who bow on the idol of the grave of Abdul Qadir. Or on the idol of the grave of Ahmed Badawi. Or the likes of it so how can we call unbeliever to those people who do not do shirk we claim that we are knowledgeable giving takfir kafir kafir, etc. i would like to end with the two what a great personality further if you read sheikh Shawqani, he said that if someone bows down to anyone besides Allah, in ignorance, he is not an unbeliever. Muhammad ibn Wahab, he said that we do not call unbelievers to those people who bow on the idol of the grave of Abdul Qadir or on the idol of the grave of Ahmad Badawi, or the likes of it. So, how can we call unbeliever to those people who do not do shirk? We claim that we are knowledgeable giving takfir, kafir, kafir, etc. I would like to end with the two hadiths of the Prophet Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in Muslim, volume number 3, hadith number 4565, five, that Arfaja, may Allah be pleased with him, he said that the messenger of Allah said, That there will be a time when evil things will happen in a community. And whenever a person disrupts the unity of the Muslim Ummah, strike him with the sword. And if he does not stop, kill him. A messenger said, Anyone who tries to disrupt the unity of the Muslim Ummah, strike him with the sword. If he does not stop, kill him. Sahih Muslim volume number three hadith number 4565 i would like to end my talk with the last hadith of Muhammad, sallam, which is from Sahih bukhari volume number four hadith number 3606 i know the lecture is long last hadith here Hudayfa ibn yaman with him he says that people like asking to the prophet what things are good but i due to fear like to ask the Prophet what is evil and he asked the Prophet that we were in ignorance and evil and Allah through his guidance he brought us to the good will there be any evil after this the Prophet said yes there will be evil will there be any good after that evil the Prophet said yes but with a little the with a little evil so the Sahaba asked, What is that evil? The Prophet said, There will be some people who will call towards things which are not my prediction. The Sahaba asked, After that, will there be an evil? The Prophet said, Yes. There will be people who will call you to the hellfire. So Hudayfa, may Allah be pleased with him, he asked, What should we do? So the Prophet replies, Hold fast to the group of Muslims and the chief So the sahaba asked What if there is no group of Muslim and the chief The reply of the prophet is If there are no group of Muslim or no chief Dissociate yourself from all the sects Even if you have to bite the root of the tree Until you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that state Wakhir Dawana Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alhamdulillah